Thank you, Mike. Thank you, everyone. Good morning. How are you this morning? Good? I'm not too sure whether this is still working. Oh, that's great. I just want to check. It's great to be together. Um, as always, what a joy it is. Uh, we were praying just in the room there before joining all of you here. And we recognize how privileged we are um, and we can't take that for granted to gather together when we think of uh, our brothers and sisters in Turkey, in Syria, and um, elsewhere where, yeah, it's just hard. And so being here is such a privilege, which, as I said, we can't take for granted. And uh, we better listen to what the Lord is saying to us. He has already been speaking through the words of the songs that we sang, through the scriptures, through the children's talk, and now we come to the proclamation. In fact, through the butterfly <laughs> that's just going around, all creation joining us in praise and worship. How wonderful it is. Please join me in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, wonderful time to bow our heads, our heart, our mind, our whole being before your throne of grace that you may minister to us. Speak your Lord. Your servants are listening. Cause our faith to arise and cause us to become Christ-likeness and may Christ alone be seen, be glorified, be worshipped as we hear you speaking to us by the power of your spirit and use me as a mere vessel to communicate faithfully your word. We ask you all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this is already February and almost in the middle of the month. So I don't know what was your resolution for the starting of 2023 and where are you? Perhaps uh, you put in sticky note like uh, the one coming on the screen. Still waiting. That's... By the way, I find these online, eh? so I did not invent them. <laughs> and um, the next one as well, be happy. And the next one. No resolution, new resolution for the new year. By the way, did you notice quite a lot of stop drinking, stop smoking, <laughs> and eat 
very well. And this one decided, I don't need a new resolution for this year. But there is one resolution I found very helpful and very challenging as we look at this psalm. And this is what is coming in verse 8. David saying, I have set the Lord always before me. A noble resolution. And I think that same resolution is building, as we have just heard from the song we sang, building our life in a firm foundation. Because look at the end of that verse. It says, because I will never be shaken. I've set the Lord always before me. What a noble resolution to just have the Lord always, continually, all days through. But the question, what does it mean? Well, perhaps the words of one of the famous theologians, um, speaking about his childhood will help us uh, begin to see what this means. And this is what he says as the word comes on the screen. As far back as I can remember, I had the habit of uh, thanking God for everything I received and asking him for everything I wanted. If I lost a book and any of my playthings, I prayed that I might find it. I prayed walking along the street, in school and out of school, whether playing or studying. I did not do this in obedience to any prescribed rule. It seemed natural. I thought of God as an everywhere present being, full of kindness and love, who would not be offended if children talked to him. Those who were here last week in the evening will remember uh, Janice uh, bringing this picture, which uh, I forgot to take it. Well, I have it in my home, uh, my house, but uh, I forgot to put that on the slide. Where the Lord is present everywhere. I've set the Lord before me always. It looks like a pretty good child-level description of what it means setting the Lord always before me. It means I commit all things to him and bring all things before him. This is what, in some sense, it means living in the presence of God. Yes, our theme this morning. The psalmist resolved to live in the presence of God through all the days, committing to him. It looks like there was no other point in his life where he will turn elsewhere. He just wanted to put the Lord constantly before him, the Lord as the goal of his life. I'm sure our friends in Turkey, who, as I said again, in Syria, they must have had a resolution just like us. But this is the firm foundation. 
Now the question is, who is this God to whom he is setting all his life and presenting him before? Now, I'm going to walk with me quickly. Um, in verse 1, he sees this God as a dependable God. And he says, I, I take refuge in you. In other words, God is his safest refuge. And you notice it is a prayer. And one of the ways we show that we depend on God, it's by praying. I give my life to you. It's a prayer. But also, not only he sees God as a dependable one, but he is also sovereign. He's a sovereign God. Look at verse 2 and verse 6a. This God rules over his life. He, he has a personal relationship with him. In verse 2, he says, you are my Lord, my God, my Lord. And if you dig deep, this will uh, means basically reverence and submission. He knows that God is in heaven and he does whatever pleases him. In verse 6, A, he says, you have pl placed the boundaries of line for me in pleasant places. This God who is in heaven, who does everything, but he knows also that whatever happened to his life, like the prophet Isaiah, when the Lord says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He knows that. He knows that this same God is the one who says, even to your old age and gray hair, I am he, I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will secure you. Even when you have gray hair. So some of us here like myself who have gray hair, we fit in this verse. That God will always sustain us. But he knows. He's not only a God who is dependable, sovereign, but he's also he's a supreme treasure. More than gold or silver. And that's what he says in verse 2. He, he looks and he says, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. There is no good to me except being closer to you. There is no other who is like you. But not only he sees God as a supreme treasure, but he has chosen that treasure. Look at verse 5 and 6, where it says there, normally you'll read it, the Lord is my chosen portion, my cup. He has chosen, he made, he has surveyed all the treasure of this world and say, you are the supreme treasure, and I make a choice to have you. He is filled with a happy thought that God is what he is. He's not only looking at what God does for him, 
but he sees him as the best thing ever in his life as he chose him and he make him his exceeding joy in his life. Having him, it's all that's satisfied. Having this God and he want to set him before his eyes. When I was looking at this, I thought, wow, friends, the Lord is to be valued above all other gifts. Too often we easily like God's blessings to our lives and forget many a time himself. But we must not treat God as a, a constant supplier of blessings. It is him that we desire. No wonder Paul says in Romans chapter 5 verse 11 that we rejoice in God's person. If you are honest, many a time it's very hard for us just to, to say, God, do you know, I love you. I like you. But rather than uh, we go to him, what do you have next for me? Give me a blessing. Give me, give me. David valued this God so much that in verse 4, he makes a radical decision of not running after other gods. He just wanted to stay with him and devote his life to this God. In fact, verse 4, the incident there looks like the experience David had in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 26, chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 26, verses 17 to 20, where in those verses he was driven away from his share, and then he was advised to go and serve after other gods. But he said, I will not, because I find it I cannot die far away from the presence of the Lord. I will better live in the presence of the Lord and die in the presence of the Lord because that is where there is life. Elsewhere, there are only sorrows that multiply. By taking that decision, he avoided what um, Oswald Chamber in his devotional book, I've been reading this book, and in fact, uh, it's today where he, he, where he says, those who run after God suffer a starved imagination of God. And when a time of darkness comes into the life, they find it hard to cope. And think about uh, these other gods in our life. It can be ourselves, it can be beauty, it can be whatever, perhaps a work. But David chose not to go after this God because he knows that God has given his priest, his servant, not a block of territory or a piece of land. When you read that in Numbers 18 verse 20, but only the assurance. God say, others can have this, but you, all I am telling you, I am your portion your inheritance. That is also the true 
richness of anyone who is a believer. For John in his letter says, whoever has the son has life. And whoever doesn't have the son doesn't have life. Whoever has Jesus has life. There is an old lady, and uh, you know I like old hymns. And the story in every old hymns is quite uh, staggering. She made this statement, I have Christ. What want I more? She lived in the city of London. And as she was dying, someone, and she had no earthly possession. And as she was dying, someone ran to try to help. She said, no, 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 no. I have Christ. What want I more? Friends, she said, don't be distracted by the things of this world, for soon they will pass. But rest not until your heart exclaim, I have Christ. What, what, I more. Remember Paul saying, I've considered all other things rubbish that I may gain Christ. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 to 9. David, as, she looks, as he looks at this God who is his supreme treasure, he is so grateful. And he looks at the boundaries. He say, wow. Now, if we were to pause there in our heart and just look at what the Lord has done, Perhaps we should be grateful. I know some of us here are going through a hard time. And sometimes when we go through tough time, it's become very hard to be grateful. But be of good cheer. The sun will shine again. But to others, God's bounty has been so abundant in your life. To the point that uh, you just surprised uh, that you could not uh, dare even to hope that. What a bountiful God we serve. How good is our Lord. This God, he also has people called the saints. Now, I don't know where you are there. Um, but actually, they are not like that. Saint are just you and I who have come to know the Lord. And when you come to know the Lord, you are sent, not because of anything you have done. And it looks like uh, David here, we don't know the background, what led him to, 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 to write this. But it looks like he had also some loneliness, because when the tough time comes... There is a loneliness in life. And when there's a loneliness, you need this fellowship of a kindred mind in your life. And so he chose in that verse 3 
that he will be delighted in God's people. He will be delighted in God's people. It looks like uh, verse 2, the, the psalmist assumed that when you are delighted in God, automatically you're delighted in his people. Because uh, you are close to the Lord and those who are closer to you too, you form one family. The fellowship of the believers is one of the most lovely Amazing, inspiring, encouraging thing in the whole world. Who would live without it? In other words, the solitary Christianity, it just uh, doesn't work. Because uh, we share the fellowship, the blessings together. We are fresh, refreshed together. And the Apostle Paul says, Christ in you. Christ among you, you plural, the hope of glory. Now, let's face it, we have uh, our fault because saints don't act saintly. We have our disagreement. Some of us, even when we sit here in the church, we worship, we raise a hand, others just pocket like this. We have different, we are peculiar people. We disagree in many ways. Just the other day, by the way, I discovered that uh, I fundamentally disagree with, with my friend, my dear pastor, and colleague, Paulos. I disagree. I won't tell you what. what. <laughs> Maybe you can ask him at the coffee time, ask me as well. But you know what? He is my church family. I am his church family. <laughs> there is a bond that separates us, which is just amazing. That nothing else can separate us. By the way, you see this picture? Because the church family, we laugh together, we cry together. That picture, my wife was saying, why do you want me to put that? I said, I'm not telling you. <laughs> but it just came last Sunday. Nicole, who is there, took months to knit. Nicole, what is it called again? Yeah, I can't remember the name. She took months to knit that red thing. And then last week, last week, brought it to Elise. And little Nicole knew that it was just a day after her birthday. And just lit the whole face of my wife. I said, you don't need any present from me. Thank you, Nicole. <laughs> there is such a bond that uh, really unites us. By the way, the other day, even when we are disagree with my brother, but there is a bond there. The same people had to go 11 a.m. to Cooper to get a burger. Can you imagine we drove here to go to Cooper to just eat burger? No, we went for ministry. And then when we arrived there, Paulus, tell them what happened. Please go and get the microphone because I can't, you will tell them best. Please, just tell them what happened. 
His blue work, yeah, yeah. great. Well, so much for a Sunday off, but... Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, Abby really wanted to go to Cooper to get a burger, <laughs> but uh, we went to see a friend to, do, to have some time of ministry, and we ordered these special burgers, which were, I mean, taking a bit longer than, than the usual burger. So there were people coming after us, sitting there, Burger King, 11 o'clock on a Monday morning. Um, other people were there as well, and they, they already had their burgers, but we just were waiting, 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 until finally they put the, the patties sort of in the kitchen and were making them ready. And then suddenly the sprinklers went off and the fire alarm went off. And the whole kitchen was full of smoke, and they had to close the shop for the whole day. So clearly, the Lord's blessing was not on our plan to eat a burger. <laughs> 11 on a Monday morning. By the way, that wasn't the result of our disagreement. <laughs> because uh, blessed, blessed, blessed be the tie that bind our heart in Christian love. There's something there. Even when we disagree, even when we don't go well with each other, when we look at the faces of the people whom we trust and come together, we cry together, we rejoice together. This weekend, we will be weeping as we've been weeping. As we see George being led to rest. But there is a hope that we shall be reunited. In Christ. That's why David said, I really want to just hang around and be delighted in God's people. Like one lady said, they said, why you keep coming to church? Because she thought she wasn't a Christian. She said, well, I can't stop coming. I love the people of God. And I love the house of God. And I love worshiping God. But this God is also a wonderful counselor. Look at in verse 7. I'll praise you because you counsel me. A wonderful counselor day and night. I wonder who is counseling you these days. And we get the counseling of God through his word. This is the God that David he is setting before him a dependable God, sovereign, trustworthy, his supreme delight and treasure. He got people with whom he can hang around. He is the God who can counsel him. Wow, he say, I have set before my eyes this God always. And I will not be shaken. To have this God, friends, in verse 9 and 10 quickly, David says to enjoy eternal blessing, peculiar blessings, eternal joy, and eternal life, pleasure to come. In other words, David is saying, it is inconceivable that the experience that I have with God and the love that I have shown to him and the love he has shown to me, it is inconceivable that all this will stop only at death. 
Friends, the blessing even we enjoy today, the experience that we have with God, it is inconceivable that it will stop when we die. One commentator looking at these two, these last section, verse 9 and 11, says this. I quote, the tone of this last section sounds more like that of a devout soul in the very heart of grasping a wonderful new truth which God was revealing to him through the present experience than one who is simply repeating a theological truth that has come familiar to us. This reminded me of the experience of the psalmist in Psalm 73. Psalm 73, the psalmist has a sound theology. He says, when he looks back, he says, God is good and God is there. But then when he looked around the reality, the reality of life did not square with this God. And so he challenged, he's, he's pen, 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 and he has a painful experience. And while he has this pain, he say, where do I go? He went to the presence of the Lord, to the temple, and then his eyes was open. And then he said, whom have I in heaven but you? And the earth has nothing I desire beside you. Even when my flesh and my heart may fail, God is my rock and my strength of my heart, my portion forever. That is to say, as valuable as a theology is, and I know it is valuable, that's why I, I studied it, but it can never, never be a substitute for a personal, personal, fellowship and communion with God. It looks like when David was in intimacy with God, it is there that he got a new insight. He got something. He said, my, 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 my eyes have just opened. Friends, when we are in the presence of the Lord, a new sight do come. New vision do come. Deeper understanding of truth do come. And these have a profound effect in our thinking and living. I'm sure you have heard many of those. I have heard. And sometimes even when I'm preaching or when I'm listening to other preaching. Because preaching is, for me, is worship. And as we listen, new insights do come. And look at these insights, and sometimes when they do come, the Lord speaks, and all is done. And when they come, victory is won, and we are left with a sense of awe. This is what you see there when David was in the presence of the Lord. Literally, he knew that what he was about to say in verse 9 and verse 10 was later to be picked after centuries by others that he wasn't actually speaking about himself, but about the Lord. I say here in my note, we do miss a lot, neither by not 
either by not spending time in the presence of the Lord or by rushing away. We do miss a lot. We do miss to see, to get, and then speak things that will have a profound effect in our lives and others. Look at Act chapter 2 and Act chapter 13 when this passage is quoted. You'll see there Peter saying that when David spoke about this, according to Peter, David seeing what was ahead. He wasn't speaking about himself, but kind of like his spiritual mind was open to see far. He spoke about the resurrection. My body will not lie in the grave. But the resurrection is the resurrection of Jesus. And in Christ, he too knows that I shall be in the presence of the Lord. And in his presence, there is a fullness of joy. I'm looking at the time. I need to stop. Yeah. But let me say one or two things. When you look at what lies ahead of us, friends, it's like this picture which is coming. It's like a fountain of joy. When we shall drink and keep drinking exceedingly, immeasurably, endlessly, from the fountain of Jesus. Today, the joy of salvation is just like a splash. The joy of you saying, today the Lord has ministered to me, is just like a sip in that cup. Fountain of joy in his presence. Joyness to the full. Pleasures that are eternal. Exceedingly. Oh, that our eyes may be open. To see what lies ahead. And never miss those. These joys today are just passing. But may we also be a community of the people who are joyful. That if your heart because you are a Christian. Normally, as a Christian, you have joy in your heart. As a Christian, look at the first Peter chapter 1, verse 8. As a Christian, you believe in the God that you haven't seen, and Jesus you haven't seen, you have inexpressible joy. 
But maybe your joy these days, perhaps because of the things of this world or maybe because of sin, your radiance is becoming dim. May the Lord restore the joy of salvation to us. And may we be like Jesus above all. For the sake of joy that was before him, he endured everything. Oh, the fountain of joy. I can't highly recommend this. Do you know that you'll get them? Are you expecting them? Are you waiting for them? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, when all is said and done, when this world passes away, it is only then that we shall fully know and feast at the fountain of life and joy. But until then, oh, how much we owe you. Help us to live this life for your glory. To bless you before our eyes. To wait expectantly for the joy the joy give us grace to rejoice even in our suffering thank you Lord if there is anyone here Lord who is not yet sure would you continue to draw that person to your heart? Grant us the privilege to be and stay in your presence.